Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Deborah Messing works more than almost any actor I know. In fact, I just saw her on Netflix in a new show, a new film called 13, The Musical. And I was really curious. I've watched Deborah Messing work in so many things. She just was on Broadway in Birthday Candles. You've seen her in major TV series. And this was a little bit of a departure. She sings, she dances, she knows so much stuff about so many things, and her kid is about to have a bar mitzvah. In this film, it's about a family breakup, they're divorced, and the mom, played by Deborah, goes off to her hometown, small town, to move back in with her mother. So what attracted you to this, which was charming? but a little bit different. Oh, so many things. Um, well, first, firstly, uh, I had never seen it, but I, but I knew that, um, you know, it was, it, the music was from a Tony nominated writer. And, um, and so I knew, I knew that it was a special piece. And I also knew that the, the original the original Broadway show only had had kids. There were no adults at all in that production. And um, when Neil Marin, who produced it, he also produced the movie Chicago, and he's he's produced everything basically that has anything to do with singing on TV right. or film. Um, he, he was my executive producer for my TV show Smash which was about the behind the scenes of Broadway. And he reached out and he said, you know, we want you to do this. And it was in the middle of the pandemic. So mm. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> and it was up in Toronto when they were completely locked down, more locked down than the United States. Yeah. And, um, and then they said, we're writing a song for you. And I was like, hold up. And, you know, I grew up listening to all the, the Broadway musicals. My mother was actually in a, a teenage quartet when she was in her teen years. Um, so singing was a big part of my family. And uh, the idea of having to sing a song absolutely terrified me. And that's usually a barometer that's one of the barometers I use to whether or not I should do something. If I'm terrified, I, I, that means I have to do it. And it I read that you had COVID then too, which had an impact on your voice. Yes. Yes. I, you know, I, it, it, it there was a lot to contend with. I had a very bad case of COVID. And, mm. um, and so I, I called my singing teacher 
And, you know, and we hadn't been able to work in a year because of my COVID. And I was like, can, can we do this in time? Can we rebuild my lung capacity? Can we do this? And she's like, yes, we can do this. And so we worked so hard for one month straight. And I learned the song. And I, when I got the offer, my son overheard and said, 13, you have to do it. You have to do it. And I was like, how do you, how do you know 13? And he, he had gone to a performing arts camp called Frenchwood. Um, oh, I remember they, that camp. Yes. And they, they did it there and he saw it there. And he said, you have to do it. The music is fantastic. So that, that pretty much sealed the deal. And, um, you know, I was off to Canada and sat in a hotel room for two full weeks to quarantine, which was um, very fascinating to, to be in a room by yourself for two weeks <laughs> oh and to have uh, government officials knocking on your door every day at different hours of the night to make sure that you're really in there. Um, but then, but then, you know, we began and I, I went in and rehearsed the song with, uh, with Eli and uh, who plays my son, incredible Eli Golden. Yeah. He did great too. Yeah. He's amazing. And so that's how we began. And my very, very first day of filming was the song. And, uh, which also scared me. I was like, wait a minute, you're making me do that the first day (laughs) (laughs) when nobody knows me where like, I don't have any sort of like people sort of, you know, pulling for me. And, uh, and they're like, we we want, we want to do it first. So, so that was it. And then I had the privilege of just watching these 12 year old kids just blow me away with their incredible talent, their singing and their dancing. The thing that made this for me so special was unlike every other, you know, school musical movie that you've seen, these kids were really 12 and 13 and not 18 and 19 playing 12 and 13. And so, you know, what you really, really, you really felt that they were 12. And, um, and then I got to play with Rhea Perlman, who is, That's you know, so a television comedic legend. Uh-huh. And um, we both worked with Jimmy Burroughs, but had never had the chance to work together. So, you know, everything, everything just laid out as like, okay, th- this is a done deal. And also, I might say, it was very important to them that, the cast members be Jewish, which I thought was very interesting. It is interesting. Um, Did you care about that? um, I did. I, I, you know, I, I was grateful when I heard that um, because (laughs) to be honest, over my career, there have been times when I have not gotten a part and the feedback has been, she's too ethnic looking. Mm. And, um, you know, so, so to have them want to be completely authentic uh, really meant a lot to me. 
And um, I was just stunned when when I saw that he was actually going to be reading the Haftorah. Like not just one line, like, you know, the last scene in the bar in the bar mitzvah, he is singing in Aaliyah for a while. And I just started crying. I couldn't stop crying Mm. when all those kids stood up and started singing along. I just felt like, you know, this is important because there are people out there who have no idea what a bar mitzvah is, who have never met anyone who is Jewish. And, you know, this is going to be seen globally and it's going to, it's going to address otherness, you know, coming into a community, being the only Jewish kid, what, what that's like to be an outsider and ultimately being completely welcomed and accepted and realizing that all the kids are exactly the same, that, that it was no different. And I thought it was a beautiful message. And beautifully done. And you had actually experienced this when your family moved to Rhode Island and you were one of what, two or three Jewish kids and you had to fit in and start all over again. So this really had to resonate with you. Oh, absolutely. I I felt like, you know what? I, I know this. I know what this feels like. Um, yes, I was one of three and, uh, you know, we had, um, the the lights at the end of our driveway. I I live next to a farm. So our driveway was a quarter of a mile long and we had these big round balls at the end by the, by the mailbox and they were hit with bats and destroyed and the mailbox as well more times than I can even count. Mm. And, you know, it, it was something that was just a constant reminder that there were people who didn't like us. And I was young and I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand right. why they don't like us. And then um, one Halloween, my grandfather was visiting and we woke up the next morning and my grandfather's car had a swastika painted on it. Oh, no. And that was the first time I even saw a swastika. And my mother just, she just was paralyzed by it. She couldn't believe what she was seeing. You know, she made me go back into the house and I could tell that she was just devastated so by it. Mm. And, um, and I think it took me to, to grow up and to have a lot of different experiences and different cultures to finally, as an adult, realize the impact that that had on me as a child and, and how very specific that uh, an experience that was and to honor it. That's interesting. And your own child has had a very different kind of childhood, right? Oh, absolutely. The absolute opposite. He's, he's grown up in the center of New York city and Brooklyn. Mm. So from, you know, the time that he could walk, he and I have been walking down the street, seeing every color skin, hearing every language right. spoken, every socioeconomic level, you know, on the subway. It, it, was, the, it was the the upbringing that I wish that I had had. 
that I was well, grateful that I was able to give to my son. Right. But when you were growing up, that town was a small enough town where you still got to do things like theater and things that yes, you loved. That was, that was my, my um, oasis. That, that, was, that was where um, I knew I was 100% welcome. And, and also, I realized that I can be somebody else entirely. So, you know, being able to become someone else with a different name and different needs and different situations, um, I felt like I was in a way going into like a protective bubble. And it felt mm. really great. And it felt exciting. And ultimately, it, it sparked something creatively in me. Which, which lasted. But you, after you got out of Brandeis, you actually started working very soon. And starting well, to do TV and a lot of stuff that a lot of performers don't do or get a chance to do. Well, right after I graduated graduate school, right after Brandeis, I went straight to New York and was accepted into the NYU graduate acting program. And so there were, I was one of 15 students to graduate after three years of 80 hours a week, every week, studying every, every aspect of the craft. And uh, when I got out, I was incredibly lucky because I, I got a, a theater job in Seattle the importance of being earnest right away. And then I came back and, you know, within that first year, I, I was doing an off-Broadway play and then I got my first TV gig and then I got my first movie. And they were successful. But, you know, it, it, they, they were successful in that they, they, yes, they were successful. Yeah. I mean, I, I just was so grateful that, you know, uh, it was the, 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 the TV show wasn't canceled after two episodes, which was happening right. a lot back then. Um, and the movie, I, I had never been on a movie set. So I was just, you know, trying to not fail miserably. Like, you know, Did the first you... the first day when you show up on a movie set, you know, and you you start the camera, the, all the different cameramen, they put colorful tape on the floor where you need to, to stand as you walk through a scene so that they can have light on you and they can um, focus on you. I had no idea about that. So we would start and say action. And then I would walk and I would not be on my mark and they'd be like, cut, Deborah, you missed your mark. Okay. 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 And then I go back, cut, Deborah, you missed your mark. Okay. Okay. Deborah, you missed your mark. What's a mark? And then they Uh told me and you know, so it was, I I was as wet behind the ears as you could possibly be. And I was so proud to be a part of that, that movie. Right, and learning on the job. Do you remember what movie that was, your first? 
that was a walk in the clouds with Keanu Reeves. Unbelievable. And then at what point did grace come into your life? Um, After that, after that film, I went back to New York and did a two-hander play by Donald Margulies um, called Collected Stories um, that at the time had been, you know, one of the most creatively fulfilling and challenging things I'd ever done. I was so happy. And then I got a call that there was this, this TV show on ABC called Prey, P-R-E-Y, that had been in pre-production and they had their lead actress and now they were 10 days away from the first day and they were firing her Mm. and they wanted me to step in as the lead in a drama. And so, you know, I took a leap of faith and we packed up and, you know, we moved back to LA and we, we were counter programming for a little comedy called, friends at the time Mm. Um, we were on ABC. And so we shot a half a season, but I was working 18 hours every single day and getting up at four 30 in the morning. And um, I, I couldn't function. And so when the, when the season ended, I called my agents and I said, I'm going, I'm getting into bed. Don't call me for three months. And then, you know, within a couple of days, they called and said, we have a script for you. And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm telling you, I can't, I can't, I have no energy. And they're like, we are going to messenger over the script, stay in bed, but read it because it's a special script. And mm. that was Will and Grace. And that was and, another yeah. huge beginning. That was eight years. Yeah. That that was that that changed my life for sure. And still changes your life. But you well very unusual in that although that idea is so strong, you still went on to do other things, including Broadway. Yes, yes. Broadway was always you know, always my dream, always my, my very first goal starts from the time that I was, you know, five. And um, I had been offered opportunities, um, but they never fit into the schedule with Will and Grace because we had a, a finite amount of time off in between seasons. And then, and then we finished, and then I did my very first um, Broadway show, uh, John Patrick Shanley's um, play. He wrote Doubt, the play, and uh, uh-huh. ultimately the movie Doubt, um, outside Mullingar. And that was uh, just an, an incredibly magical, scary, wonderful thing. And, um, and then I went on to do Smash, and then the TV show, and which I loved, loved, loved. And then um, Mysteries of Laura. And then um, I, I got this Broadway show that I was just dying to do. And the, um, and the pandemic came. And we were two weeks into rehearsal when all of Broadway was shut down. Yeah. And we didn't know if we were ever 
going to come back and be able to do the play, which was devastating. And so we just all sat in our apartment, you know, waiting for the world waiting to heal. Waiting it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the sad thing is, is there were so many extraordinary plays that, you know, previewed so- for three nights. Mm-hmm. And then the, then the pandemic shut them down and they never came back. I you know, know. Um, so hard. Who's who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Laura, Laura Metcalf, Laurie Metcalf um, was starring in that. And they only did three previews. And, you know, to have for that to have happened, I, I just I can't even imagine. It's so when they called awful. and said, we're doing this. I was like, I'm in. I don't care when it is. I don't care exactly. where it is. I'm in. And so they were like, okay, just sit back. We're going to figure out, you know, a theater for it, a space for it. And, um, and finally, that's what I've been doing over the last year. And um, we had this beautiful run. And um, it, it was glorious. It reminded me of why I wanted to be an actor and, but it literally um, like it broke my back. Like I had, you know, three um, discs, you know, bulging discs and you know, it, yeah. So I'm still doing PD now, um, recovering from doing eight (laughs) shows a week. But, um, but I, I just feel so grateful because it was, it was the role of a lifetime. And it was fabulous. And now, with everything you're doing, what is on the Deborah dream list when you get oh, gosh. fully restored? Um, well, Bros is a movie that I'm doing. I have a cameo in that's coming out next month. That's a, that's a Judd Apatow-produced yeah, comedy. And... I have been wanting for 30 years to be in a big, broad uh, comic film. And And there um, it is. This was it. I got a taste of it. And it was so fun. And so now I want more. Now I want, you know, I want to do a film with with a bigger part in it. And um, to really sink my teeth into doing something like that. I will always, I will always turn back to theater. There's no question about it. Um, but that schedule, it, it's inhumane. Kill you. And so, you know, you can't do it every year. You have to, you need a few years in between. Um, and it, you know, it, it costs you money to do Broadway. You know, they don't mm-hmm. pay enough for you to pay your rent and right. utilities and everything. Of- so then you have to find work that actually pays you so you can sustain your family. Right. You need a TV, a new TV yeah. series yeah. so that you can do everything else. But it's all possible and yeah. everything looks good. I'm very happy for you. And Thank you so much. And can't wait to see the next Deborah adventure. Thank you so, so much. Take take care. When it happens, we'll talk again. I look forward to it. All the best to you and your family. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Bye, Deborah.